Weird AF News, where weirdos come to raise an eyebrow or two or get a few laughs with your host, Comedian Jonesy. A man is accused of faking having Down syndrome so that women would bathe him, which is great lengths he's gone to to have women bathe him. To pretend to have Down syndrome, first of all, it's not easy. Uh, you got to be quite an actor. And then, I mean, how long did he do this? I love having women bathe me. I mean, it's like in my top 10 things that I love, probably a woman bathing me. What are you kidding me? But I, you know, if I was going to fake any illness to make that happen, it would be like, what's that one uh, where they swear on control? Like Tourette's. I could fake Tourette's. Uh, you just get shit, shit, <laughs> piss, shit, piss. I could do that. I mean, I'm from Boston. We swear all the time anyways. I mean, we drop F-bombs every other word, which you should know that. And then also know how much I keep that under control when I do weird AF news. Of course, as Michael liked to point out, occasionally my F-bomb slips out. But, you know, in my defense, I'm from Boston and I'm really cutting it down. I, I mean, this is like a 2% F-bomb performance is what you're getting from me here. I, I'm, I'm on a tangent. I'm sorry. Let's go back to the guy pretending to have Down syndrome so that he, women would bathe him. That's because... Because the world is crazy. It's crazy. I'm never surprised either. I'm never surprised. This happened in Arizona. An Arizona man's been charged after pretending to have Down syndrome so female caregivers would bathe his big hairy body. Police say Paul Menchacha. Menchacha. <laughs> Menchacha. That sounds like a type of dance. Do you know how to do the Menchacha? Uh, Paul Menchacha got the women to change his diapers in addition to bathing him. Change diapers? This guy wore diapers? He pretended to have Down syndrome to wear diapers? Who wants to wear diapers? I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess like during a night of drinking at the bar, I would love to have a diaper on because then it would limit the amount of times I'd have to go to the rest, just stay at the bar and just drink myself all night. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. But in general, don't want to wear diapers. I don't know. I wouldn't fake that I had a disease or something to wear diapers. <laughs> what the hell? This guy's an awful person. He's been charged with multiple counts of sexual abuse and fraud after being accused of getting aroused during the bathing sessions. Uh, this guy's just a piece of work, you know, and he should go to jail for a long, long time. Uh, obviously, this is, well, maybe not a long, long time, but a reasonable amount of time that you could attribute to somebody faking uh, Down syndrome to have women bathe him. It is sexual abuse, though, at the end of the day. Outrageous. Outrageous. Uh, what, what else do we need to know about this guy? He has three alleged victims, all women. They responded... <clears throat> they responded in, uh, in May, this is how it all went down, to an ad that this guy placed. Uh, actually, my bad. This guy, Menchacha, responded to an ad... Uh, of what is a nationwide caregiver marketplace designed to help families easily find, hire, manage, and pay licensed caregivers online. So he reached out to caregivers online, it looks like. And I guess, the, you know, they send these people to your house and stuff, you know, if you have some serious health issues. Uh, these are services sometimes that are even free. Although, in the U.S., probably not so much. <laughs> uh, initially, they were just paid to change his diaper, it looks like, but then... You know, then the bathing began, and that's when the boners began, and then that's when the the uh, the felony charges began. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be out of your mind. Ah. <sighs> 
So the button on this story is also very exciting, you should know. Um, his trickery was totally unraveled when one of the caregivers got suspicious when visiting his home. She found that his parents were there, and they, they confirmed that he did not have Down syndrome and is actually capable of looking over himself just fine. <laughs> and then that's how, I mean... Look, at you can only pretend to have Down syndrome for so long. People are going to know after a while. People are going to know. You can't keep that up all the time, right? You just can't do it. It takes a very special kind of actor. You got to be like, uh, I don't know, who's that? You got to be like Daniel Day-Lewis. You know how he gets involved in an acting role and he just stays in it, like he lives in it? Like, he just becomes Abe Lincoln for like months at a time. Even his wife, like he goes home and he speaks to his wife like, will my dinner be ready in four score? Or like, you know, however Abe Lincoln talked. <laughs> you have to have those kinds of acting skills to keep this up for months on end. And of course, you can't act away a boner. A boner, you know, what are you going to do? Boners come and you can't act your way out of that. That's evidence right there. Oh, bam, you got the boner. <laughs> uh, I want to thank those of you who sent me this article. Those are a few of you. <laughs> and it was, it was well worth it. Curious but defiant. Italians react to their country's first Starbucks arriving. Well, if you know anything about Italians, which I happen to be Italian, we, uh, we, we definitely love our coffee. And, uh, and we, we, will, we will not stoop to the level of Starbucks. So <laughs> I'm surprised there's a Starbucks opening in Italy at all, to be honest with you. Uh, although Starbucks does make some other delicious things outside of coffee. So maybe, I don't know. Let's see how it goes, though. Since its start in Seattle in the 70s, Starbucks opened shops all over the world, including European nations where co coffee culture was already established. But one place they dared not go uh, was the coffee-centric land that helped founder Howard Schultz shape the chain's character in the first place. That changed this week when Starbucks opened its first Italian location in Milan. So up to now, they never dared to even go to Italy, but they have. They've made the leap. <laughs> well, this is for tourists, is what some of these people are saying. Come on, it's for tourists, says Emmanuel Barosi from Milan. Said he stood in line with hundreds of others waiting to get a peek inside. He says, this will not become my place where I get coffee. This is for tourists. <laughs> He's probably right. It's a, it'll be like all Americans that are over there and, they, and they're so stupid. We are so stupid because this is, we're so dumb. Like we go to foreign lands and go to like the Hard Rock Cafe in that country. Like, hey, you went to, uh, you went to Cusco, Peru? Yeah. What'd you see? Oh, I went to a Starbucks, right? And then I went to a Hard Rock Cafe. It was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> Americans will go to Italy and then not utilize, like, the authentic Italian espresso bars or however, you know, like, the good shit. They'll actually go to Starbucks and get one of those giant things with whipped cream. I like, disgusting. Disgusting with that whipped cream. Oh, I would never get whipped cream on my coffee. That is, that is sacrilegious. Is that the word? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So in addition to importing some of the American-themed drinks that Starbucks has, uh, apparently they have imported American, American pricing as well, which some Italians are saying is too much. They were surprised at the high prices of Starbucks. Yeah, of course you should be surprised. It's, it's terrible, and that's why I don't go there. How dare you charge me this much for coffee? You've got to be out of your mind. Out of your mind. And by the way, for my Patreons, 
or my patrons rather, those of you who are sending me $2 a month for coffee, just to let you know, I don't waste that at Starbucks. I don't waste that $2 at Starbucks. No, I buy my own pounds and I make my own cold brew, which I'm drinking right now. And it's dandy. Dandy? Did I just say it was dandy? Uh, yeah. Starbucks is expensive, obviously. And Italians are like, what the hell are you doing over here with this expensive crap? Like, first of all, it's not even as good as what we do. Secondly, you're charging twice as much. Who would buy this stuff? Who would buy this? Well, did you know that the, uh, the person, Schultz, who started Starbucks, was actually inspired by an, an Italian cafe in Milan called Camparino Cafe. And they've been brewing espresso for a century. The customers there were totally unfazed by the importation of this terrible American chain. <laughs> Will the Starbucks change the way Italians drink coffee? They've said, no, no, it won't. We are Italian. We invented coffee and we invented pizza. We are the best. You're not going to change us to Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks has, by the way, struggled over the years and closed stores in other countries that have a strong coffee culture. They weren't able to break in. You know, these places are like Australia, New Zealand, Israel. To succeed in Italy, it'll definitely need more than its first location. Man, you know what? Don't open more locations. This is my message to you, Starbucks. Starbucks, stop while you're ahead, okay? You've, you've cornered the American market, okay? You go to New York City, there's one on every street corner. Okay, you've won. You've won in America. Don't try and muscle your way into places that make amazing coffee, okay? And you're just going to ruin things. Do you know when to... When, when is enough, Starbucks? When is... How many billions of dollars do you have to make, Starbucks? When is it enough for you to just lay off? And you're going to ruin coffee culture. Is that what your goal is? To ruin coffee culture? To make it taste worse and be more expensive? This is your goal in life? Stop it, Starbucks. Are you listening to my podcast, Starbucks? I don't think you are, but if you are, stop it, okay? Pull your ass out of Italy. Pull yourself out of Brazil. Pull yourself out of Peru. Pull yourself out of Paris. Are they in Paris? Uh, they probably wouldn't be allowed in Paris. You know? Know when you have enough and be satisfied with it, all right? Jeez. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Do you guys like Starbucks? I bet you a bunch of you weirdos drink Starbucks, don't you? You're spending your hard-earned money on those stupid Star Starbucks drinks, aren't you? Well, listen, you need to stop that shit right now. You get, you get a hold of Jonesy, you email me, and I will, I will give you step-by-step -step process how to make your own home cold brew, and you'll love it, and you'll save so much money, and it's amazing, and it's delicious, and you'll be, you'll be doing like what I do, you know? We'll be connecting like that. <laughs> email me, funnyjones at gmail.com. Or, I mean, or call me. I mean, I'd love to hear from you. It's 646-450-2012. Uh, All right, this is kind of like a controversial issue. Uh, and it's related to something I covered last week. And, and, and I got to give a thanks out to my buddy Ryan who sent me this article. Here, here, here it is. Could we be eating panda meat in five years' time? Could we? I was curious about this. I wanted to hear more. Cruelty-free meat grown in labs could be a reality sooner than you think. And exotic animals like panda just might be on the menu. So imagine what you could possibly eat. You're like, oh, what about an armadillo? What does that taste like? I'll bet you it's delicious. Why do I think it's delicious? Well, because it's got that outer shell. It's, it's as though it's protecting some delicious-ass meat. So, like, what does that taste like? Don't freak out. All right, don't freak out because I said I might want to try armadillo, all right? Don't blog about me. Next thing you know, I lose my job at Weird AF News. 
I don't know who would fire me. I guess I'd have to fire myself. <laughs> uh, listen, I just want to, I, I want to get to the bottom of this. All right. I'm curious. What about laboratory grown meat? Is this going to be a future of diet for us where uh, we actually won't be out there killing the animal? It'll be all done in a laboratory where the meat will just be made like uh, grown like rice or something. I don't know. Laboratory grown meat could be on supermarket shelves in just five years time, they're even saying. Which is soon. It's way sooner. Five years is like that, man. You'll be walking down the aisle, you're like, oh, chicken, chicken, what's this? And then what is this? Zebra grown in a lab. Oh, hey, honey, how about some zebra kebabs tonight? <laughs> I just like to say zebra kebabs. Uh, according to in- industry experts, this stuff could be on the shelves very soon. And panda could even be on the menu. Pandas are really cute, though. I don't know if I want to eat a panda. Exotic meats from creatures many people have never tasted before could be among the lab-grown meats on sale to the public in just a few years' time, according to a report by The Grocer into the future of cultured meat. I don't know what The Grocer is. Maybe that there must be a website. But here's the, here's the part where everyone can rest easily, um, kind of. Uh, no animals will be harmed in the making of these laboratory meats, all right? Which would be grown, actually, guess how? Guess how, guys? In a Petri dish. Yeah, growing, be growing like orangutan meat in a Petri dish. Imagine that. Orangutanabobs. <laughs> Anybody want to come over for orangutanabobs? <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, so if you're, a, if you're a, a vegan based on principles such as I will not kill for this, what, what does this do for your outlook? What does this do for your diet? Would you change that? That's a good question, I think. That, um, and I would love to hear from some, from some vegans. Would you, would you then, if it was grown in a, in a Petri dish, would you then eat it? Because you could eat that conscious free, that an animal wasn't killed. Although, do you count? See, now you got to draw the line. Do, do, uh, do these militant vegans count the, you know, even like just, the, just any chromosomes of an animal killing the animal? Do you count that? Is because it's chromosomes of that animal, have you killed it even though it really wasn't a full-grown animal? Oh my God, wrap your head around this shit. How do you figure this out? I have no idea. <laughs> I can't even, and I can't even imagine what the packaging would look like when you're offering animals like panda and emu and llama <laughs> and bonobo monkey. I mean, <laughs> bonobo... Hey, who wants some bonobo kebabs? That's just fun to say too. Bonobo kebabs. Kebabs is great to add to anything. Whatever you want. Boob kebabs. Hey, hilarious. So funny. Wow. So, you could even eat, I guess, endangered animals. Oh my God, wrap your head around that. Eating endangered animals. Who would want to try that? Who would want to do that? Any of you out there interested in something like this? I need to hear from my... This is like such a great, weird, weird AF news like uh, issue to have people call in on, this would be, it'd be amazing. Amazing. All right, what else do we have here? Uh, the article goes on to say how much money wouldn't be needed for the machinery and how much they would have to, and what the packaging would look like. Well, there's no plans yet to bring panda meat to the market, but it's among the predictions for the future of lab-grown meat industry laid out in the grocer's report. Who is this grocer? Huh? Who's this grocer that does this report? I have no idea. 
The lab-grown meats could, in theory, be eaten by vegetarians as the cultured meat process would not harm the living animal in any way. The meat is grown by taking stem cells from the animal during a harmless biopsy, which are then incubated to multiply and grow into muscle fibers. In a Petri dish, apparently. Yeah. Well, the article is saying that it's, um, it's in the clear for vegetarians. So, but that's the article. I mean, I'm sure there's some vegetarians and vegans that would still have an issue with this. So, yeah, I want to hear from you. What do you think about that? Are you off the hook if you're a vegetarian or vegan because you haven't killed the animal? You've only eaten its fibers that were grown in a Petri dish? Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And it's going to be the future of food production, possibly. So, like, we need to figure out where do we stand on this? Where do you stand on this, weirdos? Call into Weird AF News, 646-450-2012, or email me, funnyjones at gmail.com, or DM me at funnyjones. You're listening to Weird AF News with Jonesy. Hey guys, what's up? This is Jonesy, the host of Weird AF News. I just want to give a thanks to those of you who called me. Uh, I published these calls right after this segment. You can listen to them. They're kind of weird. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, keep them coming, man. I love to hear from weird people with weird opinions. I also love to hear from dumb people and smart people. I don't really discriminate. <laughs> Colin. I also want to apologize for my voice, which has just been messed up since the weekend. And it, it's, it, there's no sign of it getting any better, apparently. This is what happens when you stay up every night, all night. <laughs> uh, also, what, did I, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah. The usual stuff, man. Yeah, call me anytime. You got the, you got the number. Email me. I love to hear from you guys. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, by the way. I know I keep pimping that out, but yeah, follow me on Instagram is the best. At Funny Jones, you can stay up to date with like shows and stuff where I'm performing, and uh, I do all these fun little projects with pretty cool, interesting people, and uh, and I do little videos behind the scenes and stuff like that. So you get to see some just some fun stuff that I'm doing over here in the city of angels, <laughs> like running from homeless people. So I don't get punched in the head. Uh, also, lastly, check out my Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Weird AF News. Uh, you can also hit the link in the description of this. I also put the link to the YouTube channel in the description of this podcast. So you can watch some of these shows, the segments on YouTube as well, which is cool. And what else? That's it. Thanks for being a fan. Appreciate you. Hello, Jonesy. This is Liz in Puerto Rico. Once again, this will be the second time I've called. I had the delight to hear your thoughts on the Hurricane Florence striking the Carolinas, climate change, gradation of land, um, sea level rising, and I had some thoughts I wanted to add. First off, I personally lived through Maria. I stayed here before, during, and after. I have never left Puerto Rico the entire time and uh, was wide awake through the whole thing. And I've been watching a bit of the damage via live feed from some of the cities in the Carolinas. And I've given also deep thought to uh, geographical, or I'm sorry, geological? geological concept concerning uh, coastlines, climate change, and weather manipulation. So there's basically two points I really want to highlight in this talk. Number one, although Puerto Rico is seen as uh, highly likely to receive hurricanes, or hurricane alley, so to speak, geographically, 
uh, or geologically, I'm not sure which word is correct, but um, we are on the top of a very large granite and limestone mountain range, and only the top of us is sticking out of water. Now, that's excuse me, answer. Um, again, um, sorry. Uh, the top of us that is reaching up out of water, um, for the most part, is well above 400 feet uh, elevated sea level. As a matter of fact, it's thousands and thousands. We have mountain ranges here in on the island. Um, that being said, it gave me some comfort to realize that should the ocean levels rise another 400 feet dramatically that, uh, well, in the immediate devastating shore it would be, in the long term, we'd still be above water. Um, so that's the first point I wanted to make. Uh, the second point I wanted to make was about weather modification. And I wanted to pitch a theory to you, as I pitched theory, this theory to others, that the Chinese presence in Africa right now has a secret mission of cloud seeding to send more precipitation and more hurricanes due west to the east coast of the United States to, in effect, further destabilize the United States and destabilize the American dollar. So, hey, Jonesy, um, I just wanted to say something about the horse and buggy story that you were doing today, and I just wanted to say that you're wrong. A horse could actually get pretty far within the time from the accident and the time that the police arrive, because a horse can go about 30, 25 miles an hour on average. And, well, I know that's about as much as a slow car, but... Hey, for half the people are on horses anyways. <laughs> Am I right? I'm sorry about that joke. Anyways, yeah, I just called to say that you could be wrong. You could be right too, but yeah, it's definitely something that I thought was interesting because I know for a fact horses don't run like four miles an hour. If they did, that'd be sad. Sad. Anyways, I love the show. And, uh, well, keep doing what you're doing. See you. Yes, Mr. Jones, this is Professor Putton calling from Albany, New York. I'm a professor of forensic psychology, and I'm calling about your most recent podcast. Uh, you spoke of Satish, a gentleman from India, and, uh, and after chopping off his wife's head with a machete, uh, you spoke about, because he had been cheated on, you spoke about his maldirected expectations. I believe the word you were searching for was uh, misdirected. But anyhow, you uh, said that the gentleman took the wife's head to the police station in a plastic bag and that he buried the body. Well, you seemed incredulous that the man would bury the body, as if why would he bother burying the body? Well, obviously, he cared very deeply for his wife, and uh, that's evidenced by the fact that he put her head in a plastic bag and not in a paper bag. Um, clearly, 
if he had put her head in a simple paper bag, the bag could have become soaked with blood or other bodily fluids, and it could have fallen through the bottom of the bag and rolled around on the ground, on the ground like a simple bowling ball. So obviously he cared very much about her and therefore used a plastic bag. Hanging is prevalent in the world these days, and there needs to be uh, consequences for such a terrible act. My research shows that uh, people become very, very deeply involved in relationships, and they, they give their lives to their partner and become deeply invested. And there needs to be very clear consequences when someone cheats and betrays their partner. So uh, doing such things as a woman cutting off a man's penis or a, a man cutting off a woman's head, those are very evidently clear and uh, acceptable, appropriate consequences for cheating in a relationship. There needs to be an appropriate threat to the offending partner that these would be consequences for taking such a terrible action in the relationship. So, uh, Jonesy, this is becoming uh, appropriate and acceptable actions in today's modern world. Just thought I'd give you a little bit of uh, the research going on in the world today. Thank you. If you have any questions, you can contact me at 646-450-2012. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Goodbye.